What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain Consciousness, mindset, health, relationship, business. Welcome to the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. I've been away for a little while. I've been focusing on my book, which has been a really illuminating process, you know, very challenging at times, very rewarding at times. And now we're going to a really interesting and unknown waters, which is the publishing space. And, um, you know, a lot of things going on in that regard, um, a lot of different ways that we could put this book out and uh, another book that's become pretty interesting to the publishers. So I really have no idea when I'll be able to release these things that I've put so much time into, which is uh, interesting because with podcasts and with everything else, it's immediate. You know, you create and then you release. And uh, with books, um, you know, it takes a little bit more time. So I appreciate everybody following along with me and bearing with me in this process. Um, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm putting out the absolute best stuff I can to uh, the widest audience possible so it has the biggest impact it can make um, and I want to thank everybody too for uh, keeping up with me and um, encouraging me to get back in front of the microphone and do these podcasts um, you know that's what makes it worthwhile to me is just hearing stories from people who are impacted by uh, by these little chats and this chat with Tate Fletcher one of my favorite human beings uh, pirate actor stuntman entrepreneur black belt, fighter, all around amazing human being. Um, many of you guys have heard him on his own podcast or on the Joe Rogan Experience, but one of my very, very good friends. So we cover such a wide range of topics. It was really cool to jump back into podcasts with someone like Tate. So please enjoy, and you know you can expect these podcasts to come out a lot more regularly now. And I'm just looking forward to getting back in the saddle and uh, having these chats with you guys. So much love, everybody. Thanks for the support and enjoy. What's up, everyone? We're back after a long hiatus, a good respite from the podcasting world. Actually, I've been on a bunch of other podcasts, but I haven't done one of my own in a little while. So it feels good to be back, though. It's kind of nice to take a break from something for a little while and it, then come back and figure it out. the Twitter messages. And people I know. Are like, Bro, it's been two weeks. Yeah. Dude, it's been a month. <laughs> You still out there? What's going on? You alive? Like, yeah, I think I sustained people with just doing enough other podcasts. That's what I tell. I go, hey, got- look at this dude or look at this one. And <laughs> yeah, but man, to do your own, to have that kind of, um, for me, it's like because 
like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like to go and talk to my friends and it's cool. Like, because it's conversations that I wouldn't normally have, but to go out and be as disciplined, like, I don't really know maybe anybody as disciplined as Joe is about his work ethic and about getting it in regardless. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, and he's at a point in his life where he can set his life up like that, but man, he's got, um, He's driven in that regard. 100%. He's one of the most relentlessly energetic people when it comes to that. Like, he's drawing from resources. I'm like, where are you getting that from? Well, and it's a self, to me, well, it's a self loathing in a way. It's it's part of it. Like, I am not very happy with what, it's like that thing I think that people that are highly successful are on their way there. They're always looking at like, where are the burrs on me that I need to brush off? And how do I polish this vessel to become better and better? And he's in that in such a hypertrophied state, if that's a way to say it. Like, mm-hmm. that, I don't see anybody like that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an inspiration. But I think, you know, both of us kind of fall in that category as well. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've been reflecting on that recently is, you know, I really can look back at just this relentless pursuit of optimization you know, my yeah. whole life and just yeah, why always trying to road? optimize myself, my life experience, the enjoyment I get out of things, the depth of experience that I get just relentless optimizing to the point where it's creating suffering half the time, right. you know, and then requ- requiring like recovery on the other side as well, because all of this growth and all of this pushing forward, that one thing that people forget, you know, you get it when it's athletics like you get it in the gym oh yeah hard workout i need my recovery mm-hmm. i need my rest but it's the same thing for the psyche and the emotions and all of this other stuff especially like, the more people you're around for sure like i think about that with friends that are massage therapists and that's energy that they're taking in or tattoo artists like i look at that kind of stuff and i'm like that is a hard job because you're really with somebody a lot of places we get buffered but like it's people's energy that either enhance or detract from us in a way. And uh, we only have so much to give. And to, I, I guess for me is like, it's finding that balance. Like the, the lapses in my podcast are like, are that for sure. Of like, yeah. um, I just got like, or I'm like, I get it. You know, I get these weird jobs and then I'm on set for 16 hours a day and then I'm going to sleep for six hours and then I'm going to go work again. I just don't have, there's not, there's literally not time. And, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I get that. And I think that's one of the roles that like a good healer or a shaman plays because they're actually drawing the worst shit out of people constantly, you know? So if they're not, if they're not careful, well, they have, you know, part of their practice is how to clear it out of their own body. So like the, one of the things that you have to have, if you're just going to take that all on yourself and not able to move it, move it back out, you're going to get crushed. You're going to get sick. You're going to get crushed. So a lot of people with big hearts who want to do that, who are good at drawing out that energy. If you're not good at taking that on and moving it out, you're going to get sick and you're going to get fucked up. So the great ones always have their ways of just clearing all that stuff. I mean, there's so much, so much that happens behind the scenes of like this materialist reductionist viewpoint of, well, did a germ transmit or did a, right, right, exactly. was your body, you exactly. know, did lactic acid build? You're well, like, we fall, no, we so, fall into science so much right. that not that that's not great, but then we negate this whole other aspect, energetics which is huge, yeah. which we don't really understand. 
And I think that'll become scientific when our tools get when better get and our understanding of it. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not science. It's just that we can't right. detect it yet. It's well, like we're in a world, like the Wi-Fi example is great. We're in a world that has Wi-Fi and we just don't have any fucking internet or routers or things to figure it out yet. Right. It's like a yeah. hundred years ago, I shine a flashlight at you. Yeah. I'm a witch and I get burned at the stake right. just 100 years ago. Not very long ago. I think ago. the mustache would qualify you actually it's true. <laughs> for getting Maybe. burned. Or some kind of deity. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah, I think, I think I might have seen you in Thailand I think, floating on a cloud, wielding a giant. <laughs> with eight arms. With eight arms and a mace somewhere. I think uh, uh, that thing about athletics, too, like you said, that the first thing that you find, because um, we don't learn to intellectually push ourselves really until. You have to be disciplined and dialed into a certain point to be able to do that endeavor, I think, you know, to become frustrated over problems and overcome them and maybe little bits as a kid. But like in athletics, that really translates because it's such a a, a, a a brutish kind of experience in a way. It's very physical and like mm-hmm. we can feel that and it's viscous and we always disregard recovery in that. We always think we, if we work, you know, Keith and I would talk about this all the time. If we'd work harder, like what do you need to do if you lost? Well, you need to work harder. <laughs> You know, and, and that's it. And then right. you're grinding steel on steel and there's no recovery. There's no joy. There's no freshness. It's like some of those guys that I see that like um, Johnny Hendricks, I always think about like he's never in super duper the best shape, but he fights happy as anything. Yeah. And it's like there's something about that, like low stress kind of. That's a lesson I learned from my really good friend, Bodie Miller, who's uh-huh. one of the most decorated skiers in history. And for him, you know, everybody always bitched about his partying and like, you should work harder, bro. You got to, you know, you got to. And he was the type of guy like he would have in his off season. I mean, he was off, like really off. And even in season, he would take his time and go out and have drinks and do that. And people would criticize him for that, but they didn't know him. They didn't know that if he didn't do that, he would loathe skiing. Right. And he would not put the passion into doing it. He would not have the fire in his belly. He wouldn't care anymore. So he would suck. Yeah. You know, so all the advice, all this pressure from the world, if he would have listened, he would have sucked. He would have never won any medals. He would have never done anything. For him, he had to have those moments where he could just break out and be himself and be free so he didn't get burned out and just not care anymore. And Makes I think, so much sense. Yeah, and there's so many counter pressures that you got to be aware of too. Like you got to really know yourself and right. really trust like what's best. And that's a changing vessel. Yep. Also, you got to be able to not only know, there is no absolute knowing, you got to be able to ride the wave of the different selves that show up throughout the week or day. Very even, wise, you know? very wise. Because... You're not the same person on every on any given day. No. You're completely different. You get news later this afternoon. Stuff changes, like yeah, and it changes like in your endocrine system. It changes in your hormonal level. It changes like if you get gutted by some news, that changes you. That yeah. literally changes you. And then people's expectations of what you are, are always applying this yeah. constant pressure. To cut out that kind of pressure <laughs> to cut out like yeah. like I always tell dudes that I'm like, don't go on the internet. Don't go on Twitter. You don't want to see that, like before you compete or something like that. Yeah, that's a that's tough, man. Like unless you really have dominion over yourself. I was listening to uh, a guy. Is it Mark C- Derek Sievers? And he was talking about like what he thought of as success, and and he, and what it came to really was dominion over his mind and his body and his self, so that he could be the most useful to be able to be the most helpful, you know, and mm-hmm. and and that kind of a thing, and and to really, I think. Like whatever you are coaching, I think everybody that's a leader takes on that role as a coach in some way to know what everybody's goals are. And like, so what is, what is that success? What would that look like for you? And then to identify that and move on from there. 
because we can't get anywhere if we don't if we don't know that. And that thing about skiing, I mean, it's like what what's his name Phelps, the most decorated gold medalist ever. Yep. And people are like, if that guy cleaned up his diet. <laughs> He could really do something. It's like, maybe yeah. he's the most winning gold medalist ever. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to give him <laughs> advice. You know, maybe he's got it figured out in his own way. And also what he extracts, like with your friend Bodie, I think about that too. And I go, you know, we can go to the gym and then I can sit there and text on my phone the whole time while you're sweating. We're going to get different results, but we've both gone to the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or what I eat afterwards. If you eat, uh, you know, a nice protein shake and everything here, and I go down to Taco Bell, we're going to get different results from that. If you sleep well that night, and I part, we're going to get. So our gym experience over the course of a year is going to look really different. You're yeah. going to have one result, and I'm going to have a complete. And so and that, that thing, and that was his natural counterbalance. Right. You know, obviously, you you haven't met him, but his counterbalance was when he was working out. He, he was would, getting every he ounce push of juice. himself yeah. so much harder than any human being right. I've ever seen. Like pushing anabolic thresholds, pushing anaerobic thresholds, pushing these things, you know, so that he could perform at a peak. Like, I mean, regularly driving himself a pro athlete to the point of complete exhaustion and vomit on a sprint. Yep. You know, but being aware that you can't do a hundred of those. He doesn't want to get right. fucking rhabdo or something but stupid when he's like in that. It, but when he's, he's in, in it. it all the way and that's the thing about those athletes that you're talking about i think is is the ability to extract the most juice out of that berry like Mm -hmm. whereas like i'm going to get 40 percent of it or whatever he's going to get 98 percent of it yeah and he's going to need to counterbalance that that other extra percentiles into that way where i should work harder or whatever the conversation is but people were just too arrogant to, to to be able to understand that i think because we go i could do that you know right. what I mean? It's like yeah, you look yeah, at yeah. that and you're like, why would you think that? Like all this, like I've been looking at that a bunch about people with this tremendous confidence. And I look and I go, wow, that guy must be really about it. Like he's awesome. Like, and then I'm like, I, I look at him. I, I read about the history. I, I talk to him. And I'm like, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> all he is is confident with zero merit. Like, and, uh, and I, I look at that and it's, it's a weird thing. And it's almost like innate in some people. I think that, um, there's this idea that if you're just if, like the fake it till you make it is great in some regards, but God damn it. Like, I think that you like to get into that excellence is a whole different kind of conversation. That well, there's a humility of. that comes with excellence. You sure. Know? And that's like, if I'm going to identify a champion, if you put me in a room full of, you know, right. some champions and some not, and it's a social experiment, you know, and we're talking about ping pong or whatever, it's the humblest motherfucker that's going to be the champion nine out of 10 times. You know, it's like with fighters too, you know, when you're around fighters, it's super rare. The absolute exception so where mellow. you get someone chippy, you know, yeah, so like mellow. trying, they're so mellow. And yeah. it's just like Tim Kennedy. We were just talking about that. You went through his yeah. sheepdog training. One of the baddest humans on the planet. I mean, first draft pick for any zombie apocalypse. I would for say sure. worldwide arguably, first draft. Pick. I was talking to a, a to Stephen Duty and he's doing some stuff in New York right now and, and he's like well how was it because he's super excited about it and this thing it's called sheepdogresponse.com you can find out about it but Tim put on this thing I, I just looked at it on Facebook and and uh, he's like posts one night and he says okay we're doing this sheepdog response if there's active shooters in the area if there's I'm like I'm in let's do that <laughs> let's and and I was telling Steve he's like what do you think about it I go I think that Tim Kennedy is the most dangerous man that's walking the planet and and I and I and I think that on all levels because you look at it something like that and we're doing like handgun retention and knife retention and disarms and this and that and like 
oh, that's that's great, and and I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the course, and we're shooting, and we're not even really moving very fast and shooting or anything like that. And he is goddamn flawless. And that's that's a small section of the shooting and the taste that I got. I mean, it's just with a handgun and it's at certain ranges and all that, but. He's so adept everywhere, and whether it's sniping, repelling, swimming, like he's just his 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 broadness of his skill set is so huge, and he's at, at the cutting edge on the spear tip. So when it came up, I was like, "Yeah, I want to learn how to be better from the very best guy in the world, sure. please." And then, but then you meet Tim Kennedy, and yeah. he's wearing silly, friendly shorts, seersuckers. <laughs> they were like pink or red seersuckers. Friendly <laughs> shorts. He's got a big, big jovial smile on his face, you know. And he's like the most lovable guy out there in in the room. Really and yeah, is. he can get feisty and fired up in the gym and talk some shit. Of course, he's a yep. he's a regular dude, but there's no like there's no edge. Tim's not trying to prove no. to anybody that he can kick his, that he can kick their ass. He's got full confidence. Full confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's and that's what you find in in champions. In what across real the board. confidence is? Real yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah, true confidence. Yeah, it's not, it's you're no longer a need to project anything onto anybody else, so that you have yeah. a reflection of yourself in a certain way. I think so many people look to other people or social media for a reflection of who they are. True. You know, but when you've actually put in that amount of time and that minute, that much work, you have a little rock. Yeah. You have like a foundational rock. Confidence through discipline, right? Yeah, and it's this thing that you know is there that nothing, any a million people could come on social media and say, "Tim, you're a pussy." A million. Can you imagine? And 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 he would just look at it like, "Wow, there's a funny thing going on in the world yeah. right now," you know. Yeah. But because his rock is He's so like, I solid, wonder what though. they think pussy means. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have to question all other aspects of the semantics. This is because, a third language that you're speaking. You built a rock, and I think that's, if, if I had to give people any fundamental advice, it's like, go build your rock. Find yeah. out that foundational thing about yourself. And for me, you know, sports are a great way to do that. You find out things about what, what you're made What was the first thing that turned you on to where you're like, this is, this is the thing? Man, I think, I think when I really... I think obviously sports have been a great test and a yeah. challenge, but I've known that when a situation gets tough, I'll show up. Like I, and I've learned that like in a variety of situations. It became crystal clear in one particular ayahuasca session, which was this grueling series of four sessions. And at the end of the fourth, I was just done. I was just depleted. <laughs> I also didn't know it too. I was like really suffering from a bad candida. When you said done, you're depleted. Physically, so like you're physically, sick, mentally, psychically, emotionally so, tired, yeah, so everything. On the physical level, I was um, suffering from a really bad candida overgrowth in my stomach, but I didn't know it. Okay. So all of my, I wasn't digesting food right. I How was do you like, get that? That's from, I had chronic strep throat as a kid. And so uh-huh. overuse of antibiotics and then antibiotics before the trip. And then we had this girl from Switzerland who brought a bunch of chocolates and the combination of the chocolates with the antibiotics and then... All of a sudden, I had this over. I didn't know that at the time. So physically, I was super depleted. Ayahuasca is super heavy and psychically depleting anyways. And this particular series was like really grueling, just showing me deeper, hunting my shadows, hunting my shadows. And so I get to the fourth session, and I'm just at like... The, I didn't want to. I didn't want to drink the cup. Like the last thing I wanted to do was take more ayahuasca. I had like no vital How energy How much time left. is between the... 
the previous cup and this next so cup. So there's a full day of recovery, but and you're sleeping during that no, time, or you're really. just wandering around. Not the night of the session. So Is it you like don't night sleep. of the living zombies. How, what are people some, just start? Well, some people are. It depends. Like you, you can wake up after the first session. I was invigorated, refreshed, full of energy, felt cleansed. But I think because of my physical limitations going in, it's like it's like working out when you're sick. You right. know, like you're not recovering right. properly. Yeah, there's that. a 30% chance you get way better. You're like, ooh, that knocked the cold right out. And yeah. then you get pneumonia. As yeah, the other totally. So I was on that kind of declining curve. And it just depends. And it depends also on the brew. Some brews are really heavy and some brews are much lighter. If the brew- That's the part that seems weird to me is because there's not like, oh, there's 30% of this and 40%. It's like, this is a guy no, in the woods that's old, dumping stuff old. into a boiling <laughs> pot of water going, yeah, have at it. <laughs> But it's like, in most cases, like a thousand year old recipe, grandfather to son passed along. How do they you know? know? The- I guess it's because it's a chemical compound. Right. I was going to liken it to like green chili in the Rio Grande Valley. It and like is. that, that's, but, or but, like a, but some parts are hot. Like, and you're like, oh, well, this was a hot batch this year. This one's like not a as hot. Sauce. And so yeah. how do you know how strong that shit is? You know, are there varying strengths well, depending on the plant? There are. and But they're in constant communication with the plants, both from like on an energetic from level consumption and a and consumption energetic, level. Yep. Yeah. So anyways, the, the, yeah. the lightest brews are going to be basically chacruna leaf, which is NNDMT, which is a very like light form of DMT. It's what you usually smoke if you're smoking from like mimosa astilis or one of these other barks. Very light kind of visual DMT. And then uh, there's different types of ayahuasca. There's... Um, you know, black ayahuasca, yellow ayahuasca, no variety. Idea. So, and some are heavier than others, right? So, Don Howard, the guy who I was drinking with, chose not only the heaviest form of the ayahuasca, cascavel, which is like viper, means viper. So, it's like the strongest. So, form. Don's a goat Plus, he not only had chacruna, but he had wambisa, opayaje, um, a variety of different other plants that have. 5-MeO-DMT, bufotenine, other active compounds that are really a lot heavier. Now, why mix that up like that? What I mean... Well, each one has... Everything has a different design. This is designed to go to the deepest levels, like the deepest levels of healing, the deepest purge possible. And that's... He likes to wring stuff out from the spine, right. not just, you know clean off this not just, just squeegee just off the skin to me because i mean when you mix like there's got to be synergistic effects and that are kind of unknowns maybe even unknowns but practiced unknowns you know i mean they've been doing it for okay. so long that it becomes and th- you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people going through these right. rituals i mean they've drunk ayahuasca themselves over two thousand times you know so that that kind of experience leads to a knowledge, and they understand what compounds are in there. Do they do um, testing on that of, of whether like their brains are actually physically stronger or diminished, or do they know what what happens? Are are there tests like that with DMT? You know how I mean. You know, not any long-term studies that I'm aware of. Yeah. But that would be an interesting it's thing to fu- go. But thing these dudes are pretty fucking illegal. sharp. It's so shitty pretty because fucking you can't sharp. test anything. I mean. Like being around fighters, you can tell when someone's getting a little punchy, right. and these shamans are not on that right, right, not on that road. Anyway, I, okay, I yeah. So no worries. I think that's probably information people want. So I'm I'm taking this really heavy, heavy uh, brew and fourth session. I don't want to drink it. Uh, everything in my body is saying like, please don't drink this. The shaman comes up to me and he says, you know, he comes up and he just knows the right thing to say. And he says, the warrior's heart beats his one heart. 
and I'm looking around. I got all my brothers and sisters there who I brought on the trip. And I'm like, fuck, I can't sit this one out. You know, the warrior's heart beats his one yeah. heart. You know, I'm going to, if they're stepping up to do this, I'm going to step up to do this too. So I drink a full cup and it just takes me down to the depths of like, just, I had absolutely nothing more to give. And then it started, ayahuasca will start compounding these things you know and really pushing me because it wanted me to to reach this breaking point what i later was able to see but it pushed me to this point where i was not only surrendered to my death which i'd done before so okay i'm gonna die fine no problem didn't say it not only said that it said not only you're gonna die you're nothing you're absolutely nothing it doesn't matter your water borrowed from the ocean and the ocean forgot you're less than nothing (laughs) you're the gum on nothing's shoe like you don't matter at all. And at that point, it was just this total release of all my specialness, everything that I held myself to be, not only in this life, but in the eternal, this you know, soul that was coming to cause positive change, all these things that I thought about myself, all of it was just released. And I just curled up on the ground and was just sobbing these like soft, pitiful tears of nothingness, like not even like manly crying, just like I'm nothing. And then I just heard my grand my grandmother's voice come through and i have a really close kind of spiritual relationship with my grandmother who passed she's like aubrey get up like get up and i was like grandma i can't get up like i can't get up she's like aubrey get up you know you're not done here and then like right from that moment it's just something clicked like at my very depth when i had absolutely no resources nothing there and i was like all right i'll fight you know, I'll get up, I'll fight, I'll fight with whatever I got, you know, and I just fucking sat up and just decided right then that no matter what happened, no matter how low I got, no matter what the world did, no matter what the universe did, I'd fight to my last breath for the good of all, para el bien de todos, as I say. And that moment was like probably one of the most crucial moments in my life because I'd never been that low, I'd never felt that bad before, I've never had less to draw on, less resources and you know granted i got a little help from my grandma there but knowing then that even at that lowest point i'd still answer the call like answer the call to show up Mm -hmm. i learned a little something about myself like a little rock that i could build from for sure like all right no matter what happens you know no matter how low it gets no matter how bad it gets you know when it's time to answer the call i'll answer the call and that thing was like the first thing that I think I really ever knew, knew about myself, you know, because hmm. you like think things about yourself like, yeah, I'm a good person. I do this thing. I, right. You think, but not or until what, it's like, what would I do in this situation? What would like, I do in I this? I would do this. I'm yeah. like, how could you know? Exactly. How do you yeah. know what you would do? And then, but just knowing that I think was really valuable. And I had inclinations from other tough experiences, but nothing was like this. And, yeah. and again, people might say, oh, bro, you just took ayahuasca. It's not that hard. That's the thing about these things. It, it can get to these really deep levels because it's taking your psyche to that absolute point, mimicking what it would be like if you had to experience that in the physical fight for your life. You know, So that was a really powerful moment because that gave me this like, confidence to build from. Like, all right, I will show up. You know, I will show up when called. And then that, then you can start adding some other things on top of that. Right, and it's like, it. So, layer it. And it becomes solid. But I think for a lot of people, they don't know, really, they don't really know so that's anything. that's like a bedrock for you. The bedrock. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't know anything, you're just right. 
wafting in the breeze. You're just looking at other people's opinions. Right. Well, I have this girlfriend. This must mean that I'm attractive. Or yeah, so I have silly. this job. This must mean I'm successful. Look, I post this photo and I get this many likes. Right. This must mean I'm cool. So you start using all these external things because you haven't built that fundamental likes thing. Are a trip. That changes the world, right? You think yeah. about being a young a youngster. Mm-hmm. That changes things. Yeah. And then finding out what is it, what kind of attention am I seeking? And all, like, that's a whole different kind of trip. Right. It's challenging as fuck now. It's a trip, man. It's a really challenging time. And they talk about the first thing I started thinking of that, I'm like, ooh, kids are fucked. <laughs> is, is, is that like everything is on the internet. And I, and I was reading, I, maybe I was reading that uh, Chris's book, Sex at Dawn, and talk about uh-huh. imprinting sexuality and, and uh, you know, whatever, whatever his quirks are. I'm like, why does this guy love to dress up in rubber like or, or why does this girl love to have a horsetail out of her ass or whatever the thing is right everybody's got all these different quirks like even if it's like i only like romantic love making or whatever that's a quirk <laughs> like that's your that's your thing you know whatever right. it is that your thing is and and uh and then you start hearing about some people who's like i can only come if somebody pees on my head and i'm like i'm so glad i've got my quirks and not that one <laughs> yeah exactly so cleanup sounds horrible but <laughs> Like, uh, you, you think of those imprints and go, okay, so that comes, I, I remember I was working, I was at a nightclub and I was working, um, the door with this guy and he was an older dude and he's like, man, I just, oh, he's, he was pissed. He was like, all these girls out here with their, with their shaved pussies. He says, I just can't. He's like, it just, it's like, I don't, I don't like it all. I go, what do you like? He's like, I like a big, thick, furry bush. <laughs> and I go, oh, huh? I'm like, don't you ever, you ever get one in your throat? Like, that's horrible. And, uh. And he goes, no, man. I go, why is that, do you think? Because I'm looking at it, I'm like, you're like a medical curiosity, sir. Like, <laughs> And he says, the first thing I ever saw was a penthouse with a girl at a floor-to-ceiling window, and her hands are up on it, and her back is arched out, and it's a photograph taken from down low up high and all you could see is the bush underneath and he's like and that's the real first like sexual image that i saw so i'm reading chris's book and then i i think about that and i'm like that's what it like so what you first see point being scared about the kids yeah you're seeing a horse fuck some guy to death all of a sudden the shit changes for you forever and not only do you have that exposure which we never had i mean we we snuck playboys and penthouses and you had to be creative about it and fucking just grab your phone yeah no and it wasn't that kind of variety you couldn't go down rabbit holes Uh -uh. if you were like no rabbit the first time i saw anal sex i was like oh my god this is really interesting the first time i was watching i wasn't able to find it again for like a year like i don't know where to find that stuff i don't know know if i was watching porkies or what but we were all we were maybe nine or ten years old and we were behind there's a fence around the drive-in theater by my town and we're watching and there's a guy having sex from behind and and that was the conversation that me and these two brothers jeff and joel bauer have and we're like is he is that in her ass or is that her pussy what like we didn't and we're like we just made it up and decided to agree on it we had no idea for sure we're not seeing anal sex in an r-rated <laughs> film we just had no clue though we just yeah. heard the term yeah it's a trip and then so all right so you have that exposure where yeah. you can go down any rabbit hole and then you have the absolute <laughs> void of any conscious education on the other side. Like everybody else is just like, yeah, nope, it's not happening. Like right. no institutions are coming in saying, well, either kids are going to learn entirely from porn or right. we can start teaching them some actual useful Candidly. information, you know, like at least to counteract that. And I think we're in this weird time right now where we have the we have all that porn and all that stuff but we haven't taken any counteractive measures yeah. so this generation has probably the most challenging thing cuz you should be learning about like how to like interact in that sexual space in a positive way 
because you're going to look at porn anyway. And, so at least have space. this like, yeah, in every space. Really? But that's one of the taboos sure. that we have, you know, that we well, have but, out there. Or that, you look at the problems with food sure. and all that and that what goes on. And, and I remember the first time I took a, like a CrossFit certification uh, 10 years ago. And I thought, God damn, why aren't they teaching this? This is like movement patterns and, and conscious eating that is like a training manual for your body, how to keep my body healthy. Why is it that in, in phys ed classes or whatever, but you can't change those structures, even if they're broken, even if they're giving you bad ideas, like it's, it's a phenomenal aspect where we have all this information, but we don't utilize it for the best yet. We're tricked and kind of lulled into the idea that the government and, and the FDA and whomever has your best interest in mind. Right. And they most certainly don't, yeah. which is wild. Yeah, I mean, what the whole school and educational system is really pretty broken, yeah. you know, and I think fortunately the Internet is now supplanting that as a primary source of information. But that's like trying to gather useful bits out of a fire hose. I mean, and also it's like, where does it route you? I mean, yeah. most of the places we go on the Internet is Facebook. Right. I mean, and so we have automatic routes, but then there's all these other things. I mean, with search engine optimizations and everything like that, governments and large corporations control that. So if you search right now, if you search for uh, is a sugar substitute deleterious to your body, is it cancer causing? You'll have FDA links and all that in the first four pages that come up that say it's fine. There's no big deal. And then when you get to page eight or something, it'll be David Ick and then somebody from a holistic place. It's like, yeah, it causes cancer. We know it does. And so you're with the crazies, Right. right? And so it's like that becomes information that people go oh well that's crazy like it's a it's a wild thing we're not taught to think or discern very much yeah and i I think that should be one of the primary things being taught is like now there's all this information out there like how do you track the truth like what methods what methods are you using like how is it and so i think there's been a reaction there's been this kind of skeptical reaction which i think is good and it's healthy but then skepticism becomes a religion as well that excludes all new stuff you know, it's just only the known right. is acceptable. Everything else in your woo-woo and it's right. fucking Well, and then there's all the stuff you know? that, I mean, I don't know. A dude put it to me and he's like, here's all the stuff that you know. And then there's all the stuff that you don't know. But then there's all this stuff that you don't even know that you don't know. You don't even know that there is something to know there. Like, mm-hmm. that's like a magic land, like where you're just oblivious and you can be arrogant in that way just because you're not even aware. Like it's that thing about raising awareness. I think that's the hugest aspect of, of life as I grow is continually taking layers off and becoming more and more aware, whether it's of surroundings or whether it's of stuff like that. And, and just trying to raise the bar. I just put everything through the test and I go, is it performance or function oriented? Right. And if it's not, I don't really have time for it. I'm too busy. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And so like, I don't care if it's colored red or blue, like, or, you know, if it's from a conservative or liberal or if if it's got function and performance to a good desirable end, I'm into it, man. That's, that's kind of my litmus test, I guess. Sure. So Tate, if you had to go back and talk to your slightly younger self, Mm -hmm. give your younger self some advice from what you know now, what would you go back and tell young Tate? Well, truly, I think the thing is, is don't be so concerned with what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that's a really super trite answer. But I look at all the places where I, I half stepped a little bit instead of stepping fully and boldly. And um, that would have made differences. Now, I look at all this stuff and I'll say this with predicated with the idea that 
without any of my failures or any of my missteps, or I wouldn't end up where I am, which I'm super stoked about. Uh, however, um, there there is that. You know, you always wonder how you could shine that to a better end. And I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, I think that that's it. Is that live fully? I think that the a hundred percent rule. I think yeah. is the is a good rule. Is that it's like it's like being committed is. Uh, so important and and being committed in every moment into whatever you're doing in that moment and being present in that moment and you know I, like i get that through like through wrestling i think is one of the biggest aspects like you can teach distance you can teach levels you can teach all kinds of things to make a double leg happen but you can't really teach commitment and follow through mm-hmm. and like if you don't have 100 percent commitment you're not going to be very successful with that and i think that's the same thing whether it's related to relationships or to business or to enjoying a meal, it's, it's kind of like that, that goes into everything. It's like being a hundred percent present with where you are. Yeah, that's absolutely probably the same advice that I would give myself and, st- and probably right? 15 years from now, the same advice that I would give myself <laughs> right now yeah. is just to be present. Yeah. There's such a, it's such a lure to, you know, think about things in the past or think about things coming up in the future. Right. You know, which really takes you out of the enjoyment or if I had of this shiny experience. thing or if I had, and it's like, well, if that's the idea, then my thinking's broken Yeah. because the novelty of this thing wears off and the shine and then i'm just on to the next thing and then i i don't so i let i i feel like it's a a, a robbery of appreciation in a way you it know is. a self-robbery and people think that they won't you know it's not saying don't have goals you know just no. be wandering around in the in the forest right but enjoy that everything is processed there yeah. is no destination there's only one destination for all of us and that's you know the other side whatever that may be and that's another huge thing is that don't get hung up on death so much i haven't really cared i've kind of sought it out my whole life but i i'm not um super interested with this idea that it's a dark horror horrible place to be like definitely not. We, we get into this discussion and it's not all cultures are like that where um mm. where death is like this this uh specter you know, it's just that that's part of the whole deal with life is that there's have a very juvenile concept very, of man. As, as a culture. You know? And I only think it's that way because I'm like, I can't get my head around it in the way that other people think about it. I'm like, that just doesn't seem right to me. Like it just doesn't seem, it doesn't make sense in my construct. Yeah. And for me, it's more experiential. I had no idea until, you know, for me, the plant medicines, have shown me things that I know, and I don't expect other people to believe me. I expect them to go figure it out for themselves. But for me, I know uh, what that other side feels like. I know what it's like when you're out of the confines of this body and this experience. I don't know it exactly, but I have a a pretty damn good taste of what that is. And it's beautiful. It feels like home. Yeah. I think think that's what being in a hundred percent present moment is like in a lot of ways. It's like it is. And that's embodying that same consciousness here now like in our in our being and so the practices that i've I've kind of moved a little bit away from the plants and have started trying to figure out how to do other practices to get me more like in my body such as what because well one of the things i've been doing is ecstatic dance what does that mean so where you're just flailing around and you're kind of right yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so like a whirling dervish type (laughs) yeah you just basically surrender that's a real religion yeah whirling dervish yeah the dervishes yeah yeah you really surrender to movement and place all your focus on the movement because with the plants you're accessing consciousness, but it's almost like you're projecting out and like leaving like the body, at a movie like screen? leaving the body to just kind of hang out while you experience consciousness somewhere else. 
Are you watching like, a movie screen from that place? You're or in is the your movie bot- screen, but you're still like not your full body is like your right. body's just kind of like in a in a very comfortable rested position. You're just sitting it's like there. Like you're a hologram that yeah. R2D2 is expressing of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Right, but okay. then with dance which is really a form of meditation. Like in all meditation, you focus on some particular thing so that your mind can calm down. Your mind has to have some kind of right. thing to focus on in general. You know, like Vipassana, you focus on your breath. Open focus, you focus on empty space. All these other things, you have this focal point. Chanting, you focus on the chanting. Well, dance actually brings that consciousness all the way through your whole body. So you're just focusing on the sensation of your body in movement. And to me, that's like one of the coolest ways to do it because it brings the presentness like all the way from your fucking feet, like to the top of your head. So instead of just experience it elsewhere, you can experience it somatically. And so that's something that I'm really like pretty into right now and playing with a lot. And that's what I mean, cultures have been doing it for thousands of years. These dances around different sun dance and ghost dance and these ritual dances throughout throughout history. And I think it's one of the reasons why we recreationally do it so much is because it's an expression of presentness throughout the whole body. But the problem is that so much judgment has been cast upon it. You know, like you have, it's become a performance art and then the performance anxiety, you know, takes over. Right. And it, and for men too, there's this weird homophobia with how you move. Yeah. So not only like am I not going to be good at it? But if I move this way, it definitely means I suck cock. Right. You know, right, like right, or if right, I use right. my arms, right. It definitely means, uh, you know, and we and have then all those this- guys that can move their hips like that though. You go somewhere and all the girls want to fuck. Those <laughs> yeah, guys. They all totally. want to dance. And then you're standing there with your fucking arms crossed. Going, totally. I should know how to do that. Yeah. It's a weird thing though. Being a little kid. I don't know. Like grow, growing up, it's like, if you're a boy, you're supposed to know how to fight. You're supposed to know martial arts. You're supposed to be born with that. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to not cry. You're supposed to know how to dance like Cary Grant. Yeah. You're supposed to know all these things. And then it comes up in your life when you don't know those things. And so you're left with two choices. I learn them, which is tough, or I pretend. Yeah. And like motherfuckers do that until they're dead. <laughs> like you see, and that's why I think. The or thing they like, just decide that, no, that thing's useless. Or it's gay. Or it's gay. Yeah, you know, that, that, no, that, that, no, that's no, what they do with jujitsu all the time. Like they, they, you know, you get finished by a guy that's a hundred pounds lighter than you five times in a minute. And you're like, oh, rolling around with, dude, with dudes on the floor. Not for me, dude. Thanks. I like girls <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's like, <laughs> right. or you get fascinated. And you're like, how do you move your body like that to do that? I need to know more about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, that's a that's that's what I asked. Like, what was the one discipline that you really looked to? Because I feel like, you know, when you're talking about fighters or about you know jet pilots or whomever, it doesn't matter what the um, what the thing is. It just matters that you do the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's going to yoga every morning for 20 minutes, or you take your dog for a walk every day at seven. It's like something about punctuality and doing the thing at a prescribed time. It, it transcends into the rest of your life. And if you get excellent at whatever the thing is, whether it's jujitsu or cello or archery or whatever, you can speak about that excellence to everybody else with the sense of uh, commonness and humility that is um, transcendent of the things being different. It's like you have a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And and you know what it takes then, I think, to achieve excellence in that way. And that's a hugely that's, important thing. That's what thing. I always say. When people ask, you know, like... Because we think it's magic. We right? look at Tim Kennedy. I, I, was, I was saying to everybody, they're like, well, what do you think? 
the takeaway is here or whatever. And Tim had just gotten done talking about like, well, I go, I uh, grapple here and then I uh, work out with Juan in the afternoon on it. And then I'll go and I'll do kickboxing at night and then I'll do yoga the next morning. And then I go in and I do uh, no gi grappling. And he goes through this whole thing about what his whole day is, you know, and, and that's with kids and with working a few different jobs. And, uh, and I go, I think the takeaway here is that everybody's looking in the room and they're looking at the superhero American Tim Kennedy, which he is. And they think, well, yeah, it's easy for him. Right. After he just explains the arduous schedule that he is disciplined to every day of every week of every year. And that's that's a phenomenal thing. And you start exacting that discipline just for 10 minutes. I do this every day. That grows. And then you can get excellent and then you can carry more weight. It's like, how do you run on it? Yeah. Like you get this little idea. You're like, oh, I'm doing sales over here and then I got this idea I'm going to do this how do you do that where do I even get jars to put these alpha brains in where do I like all that fuck I got to design a label like can I use a sharpie like you know you go through all this thing and then the next thing you know you've get this fucking huge corporate endeavor that's got all these different fingerlings all over and you couldn't possibly have carried the weight of that if you walked in but you learn by learning through all the little details and you get excellent sure. at those details and then kaboom, it looks flawless. The, you you got to get used to the carrying pressure. the weight. Yeah. yeah. I think I posted something online the other day and I, you know, cruised through the comments and try to respond to people. And, um, it was just, I was being very honest about, you know, challenges and resistance. How are the comments for you? Are they hard? Or generally? They yeah. Generally they're good. pretty good, you know, and, and, Obviously, there's a contingent of people who are, right. you know, detractors. But you block them right away? No, I never block them. Really? You know, only when they're like really saying things. I'll block them if they're talking shit to other commenters. Yeah. You know, like yeah, not yeah, yeah. to me. If you're mean. If you're mean to other people. Yeah, if you know? you're mean to my friends. Because if you're mean, if you say something mean about another fighter or somebody online, be you're done. Yeah. Bye. But for me, you know, coming at me, like, I think it's a, it's actually a healthy practice for me to like take that, accept it, receive it and see if there's anything I can learn from it, see how right. my response is to it. So I take that, you know, kind of as a, as a form of resistance in itself, you know, and, and look to overcome that, but it can get right. tough. I mean, it can bring me down. Sometimes I don't respond to it well internally. I've learned not to respond externally until I get my internals correct because i you. made that that's a mistake. huge discipline oh, yeah, in I itself. totally blew that like the first time i encountered like yeah, serious yeah. hate like firing stuff You're like back. why would they even say this <laughs> yeah you get all i guess all been out of shape yeah but yeah so i, I kind of take it as my form of resistance but anyway so i'm going through and i see this comment and um it says this incarnation has been easy for you bro and i look at it and you know i just kind of smile and say there really is no way that you can say that to anybody you know, right. like you have no idea what anybody, no matter where they are, have gone through, you know. And yes, am I very blessed? hundred percent. Am I very grateful for my life? hundred percent. But unless you've walked in that person's shoes and seen their life, you don't know what's been easy. And the way you carry is that's got veracity. Like I remember when I was a little kid, my mom's best friend and she had cancer and she had cancer for maybe seven years of chemo and radiation, which I cannot imagine the horror that that is. Mm-hmm. And she's still alive today, like, which is rad, but, um, and not, not sick, you know, for all these years. But I was a little kid. My mom told me the story later and she goes, Anne comes over and is bald and just out of radiation and, uh, says, Oh, how's your day, Kelly? What's going on? 
And she goes, oh, the kids, and then Steven, and then, and goes into this whole thing. And I had to go to the cleaners and get groceries today. And then, (laughs) you know, Tate threw up on his shoes or whatever it is that happened, right? And then she goes, God, Anne. And she looks at Anne and she sees her in her state and she goes, I've got nothing to complain about. I mean, I I can't believe I'm saying this to you. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassed and ashamed a little bit. And she goes, whatever the trouble is, is your trouble. It's just as it's it's the same as mine. Nobody has more pain or yeah. more hurt than somebody else. What it is for you is what it is. Right. And you can't really deny that. Just because I have to get used to what this weight is doesn't mean that the weight that you've got is any less in any kind of fashion. You know, we mm-hmm. we I mean, it's an interesting thing in that way, the yeah, way the universe much. works. Very much. And it's just how you deal with this resistance, you know, and I think all of us have this. It doesn't matter where it comes from right. and, and if you're not used to if you haven't patterned dealing with resistance you know you're going to be in trouble when it actually comes if you or the if first you're part. too soft if you're too soft already and been sheltered from resistance sure. too much but when resistance don't even think of it. inevitably comes watch out you yeah. know and that's why i think you know it'll it'll always come you know it's like we live in this universe like it's a video game that we're all playing and there's plenty of bosses and plenty of monsters right. out there. And we're going to run into them one way or another. There's no way that you can shelter yourself from all those because they come up from within. You know, this idea, what is resistance? Well, it's that equal force equal to our own, you know, energy of love and energy it's of equal, progress. There's a balance to there's it. There's a balance to the whole universe. That's what makes this interesting. Without the balance, there wouldn't even be free will. Do you think that Without the resistance, we would be instantly enlightened like this. Do like, you think that there's not a crushing... Happen. You know how people say, I'm overwhelmed all the time, or, or like, oh, I'm just crushed by this or whatever. Do you think that there's such a balance and such a symbiotic relationship between us as versions or energies that comprise the universe and and the totality of the universe mm-hmm. that there is no pressure that's enough to crush people? Do you know what I mean? Or... Because we can get caught in the drama of it all. Yeah. It's all, I want you to know how hard I'm working. You know what I mean? I want yeah. you to know, oh, dude, it's tough for me. How was today? Oh, traffic, you know, and then I, or whatever. You know, like we all want to, and I'm wondering if there, if that is a thing, if that's like a law of the universe that is immutable, that we cannot actually be crushed. There's nothing that we cannot overcome. There is always, I think, a choice that we have. There's a choice. There's always a choice. And, and there's, only one, there's only one move that takes us out of the choice, and that's death. And so the Toltecs have a way. And we don't even really know about that. Yeah, and we don't know. And that probably just extends the game to another realm, right? So the Toltecs have a way of saying, you know, death is our wisest advisor. Because when everything is crashing around you, you can look to your death and say, have you touched me yet? Yeah, it was for me. And if not, then you still have, you still have, you know, you still have choice. You still have fight as a warrior. You still have some way to choose. And I think, you know, hearing these stories is obviously really inspirational to show, like, Ryan Holiday in his book, Obstacle is the Way, has a story about this guy who is a prisoner of war. And he was in the most horrible conditions, you know, for many, many countless years. People around him dying, daily torture, etc. And his choice was he was going to, in his mind, play a round of golf every day on right. his favorite golf course. And he was going to go through and he was going to hit and just mentally play this round of golf. And it kept him sane, kept him alive. And then he busts out of there 20 years later, some ungodly amount, goes to that golf course, shoots par. No. Shoots par. That's so good. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's always that choice and it can seem, you know, 
it can get to the point where it's virtually impossible to choose that. But the one thing that no one can take from us is the universe that we create with our own mind. And so I think we, we always do have that. Now, is it, you know, it can get to the point where it's real narrow. It's a very thin line that we have to able to choose. And, uh, but I think we always have that. I I believe in free will. That's what the faith is too, though. Yep. I think that a lot of people speak on faith and, and, um, they miss the mark on what it is. I mean, because people don't want to do the work unless they can see the present at the end of the road. Right. You know what I mean? I want to see the gift that I'm going to get for the work that I'm going to do as opposed to just being married to the work and, and then opportunities are going to come and you're going to be ready for when that opportunity comes because yeah. you've done the work. Yeah. But opportunities keep coming on this river of life. Oh yeah. And so many people are ready. That's what I was going to say too, about so many people aren't even present to the fact that, um, well, there's going to be uh, resistance. There's going to be stuff that comes up. People think life happens to them, or and it does because they've decided it does. Mm-hmm. But that whole aspect about awareness is huge because most people, more than half, I would probably say, don't decide that they're going to have a good day today. It depends on what happens to them throughout the yep. day on whether they're going to have. They're like, I'll tell you at the end of the day how good my day is going to be. And you think about what a disempowering kind of context that is to go through your day with, like. Hopefully I won't get pulled over today and then I can say I have a good, like, or whatever the thing is. Or these people will be nice to me or this response will happen. Yeah. yeah. We love surrendering. We love surrendering our power over to these other things because then we don't have responsibility. Without responsibility. And if we don't have responsibility, we don't judge ourselves. I think so many things can be tracked back to the inner judge, the inner judge that beats us down emotionally, psychically for failures to live up to this unrealistic ideal that we have of what we should be, what it means to be a man, what it means to be in this society. And so we, instead of, you know, instead of dealing with the judge, we just shrug the responsibility. Not my fault. There's a bunch of shit happened today or this thing happened or I, you know, and then you surround yourself with people that are kind of sycophants in a way. Right. And that are like, no, no, of course, I understand. Like, and that's the. Or commiserators, like fellow commiserators. Exactly. exactly. Everybody shrugging their responsibility. Yeah. And know? I don't want to call you on it and say, that's bullshit, dude. You could have stood up and you could have done this. Right. Because then you're going to call me on mine. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, I, I guess I was maybe 20 and I started looking at that and I go, I need, there's parts of me that are blank spots that I don't see. I need you to call me on mine. I'm going to be very curt and straightforward with you about everything. Yeah. Because even if you're mad at me and you're like, hey, dude, well, you fucking did. I need to know that, man. Right. I need somebody to look at me critically because we need. I mean, I was in a bad spot, but like we, I needed that. I needed critical thinking to amend my behaviors so that I could start behaving in a way that was going to move me towards life instead. You know, mm-hmm. so what was that? What was that kind of thing? Dark night of the soul for you. You've alluded to it now. on the Shit, podcast. man. I don't know. Uh, there's a few. I mean, it's like a, it's like a decade of it, you know. Um, <laughs> It was, a, it was a long time, and yeah. uh, and but for for me at, at that point when I had that idea, I was in a halfway house, uh, and I was the youngest kid there with a like a bunch of everybody was fifteen to forty years older than me that was there, chronic recidivists. Everybody's an ex-con and uh, or on their way, and very low percentage rate of people that would uh, survive through it. Like most people uh, would wouldn't be able to hang, or they would. Um, relapsed a couple people died while i was there and there's just like it was that's like a really low bottom kind of joint mm-hmm. and um and that's what i started looking at i started looking at like i started looking at other people and i go 
where have they fallen down? Because I'm moving my feet the same way he's moving them, and he's 15 years older than me. Do I like his results? Because those will be my results. Right. I am the same as that. He's my canary down the down the <laughs> down the uh, yeah. down the mine shaft. Yeah. You know, if you want to watch the movie of your life, go watch his movie. Right, it's going so, to be the sequel. In 15 years, you're there. If you don't like it, move your feet. And so I started to just I started to get really discerning about what I followed and who I followed and. And, uh, and I got super critical about how my feet were. If I move my feet like this, if I take this action, what will this result? I got really into cause and effect, I guess, mm -hmm. in, in a huge way. Yeah. You know? And then that's, that's kind of the, the art of seeing, you know, like really, I think that's another thing that just people, people don't see that anymore. They don't see cause and effect. They don't see people. Yeah. They don't see how their imprint affects other people. You become kind of blind and, and i think that really allows people to do i actually honestly don't think i think there's very very few like truly bad people right you know i think there's that, people that are scared and fearful yeah scared and fearful and there's you know most of the people doing bad shit they have some justification mechanism in their head right. that allows them to still think that they're good you know like right. oh these people yeah these are the black people they deserve right. this type of thing or this is these are the stupid people you know so they deserve this so they they have this right. justification where ostensibly yes they're bad they're doing bad things but they're justifying it in a way that no i'm different and good in, in some way because i think we all are inherently good we just have these delusions of the mind delusions. that allow us to do these things that are that are not bad there's like a we get a i think what happens is that you get a if you're not careful like one of the big things about the weekend with, with uh, Tim and Blake was a, a sense of community. And so there's a lot of people that sign up for a course like that because they're scared. They're responding to something they've seen on the news or mm -hmm. to the state of the world or something like that, right? And I come from, from a very different space than that. But watching it, and the one thing that came up was that, you know, the beautiful part is, is that there's a community here and that there's there's all different factors that community not everybody's a sheepdog yeah. not everybody's gonna go and run towards the bullets yeah but there are people that are and, and if you know that this is what it is and this was the more you know about what it takes and and what it all is meaning the more training and repetitions that you do to go ooh, i'm really not that guy or i really am you get more knowledge about who you are in your community and so then you can play your role in your community to the fullest extent Therefore, you can satisfy your soul's desire, like what, whatever that might be. But if you don't really get in the game to find out, you don't really ever really know about what that looks like. And, and I think that um, that communal aspect is the, is, the, is the hugest part. And I always think about like, you know, when I was a kid and Exxon Valdez covered everything in oil all through Alaska. And, and I remember looking at ducks covered it like you, you see all these images, right? Yeah. And... Uh, and we think we're dissimilar than the duck, you know, because, oh, we're in Texas or whatever. That's way over there. Whatever. I eat white-tailed deer or whatever. But it's like to the extent that that duck is covered in oil, I am. Like that that's my food. That's part of nature. That's part of my whole environment on this earth. And that we get a disconnect to where we're not concerned about that is the problem. That That's yeah. the whole thing. Even these videos that are going around right now, I don't – I've never clicked one, but – I'm not really, I can't, I, I'm like, I got enough horrible shit in my head. Thanks, Facebook. But like the, the you know, the, like these people pass dolphins around uh, to take pictures until the dolphins oh, died yeah, and, and shit that. like that, right? I saw one today for a shark. I'm like, is this a new thing now where people are taking wildlife from the ocean? Like, 
but at any rate, the other thing is, is not only that, that those people, if that's true or whatever, that's wrongheaded, but it's also everybody looking at that going, these people are violent. It's like, you are those people also right. to this extent that we, we are not dissimilar, you know, and, and, uh, to and what you the, say about accountability the, is so important. That's the problem with all of this social justice bullshit. You know, it's like you're, you're making another person who's equally worthy of love of anybody you're right. trying to protect, making them feel like shit shaming them, making them feel horrible. You know, there's no justification for that, for protecting some other thing. Like it has to be, you can't cure ignorance with more ignorance. Right. You can't cure, you know, this lack of love with more shame and less love. Right. You know, it's like, there's only one way to do it. There's only one way to reach out and do that with love. Like it's the only fucking option, yeah. you know, but I think, our brains weren't wired to care about more people than our tribe. And that's why like that 150 at, number yeah, that whatever, 150 right? number, like we're wired to care about a small amount of people, yeah. but now we're in this interconnected world. How do we expand our consciousness and to take? So you yeah. Got, you got to do these quantum leaps of consciousness to really expand and see everybody as self. And that's the key thing. But I also think it's important to let's, let's work with our biology and then cultivate that tribe, you know, get our 150. You know, right. and really have that support system well, because that'll help things as well. You can't fight. Like, I think that story you said when you're laying there and you're hearing, I'm, I'm, the, I'm nothing, I'm the gum on the shoe of nothing and all that kind of yep. stuff. And, and, you know, I think about the impact that you make, which is tremendous. And just how, like, I understand the, the intonation of what you're saying. And then at the same time, I, I see the fallacy of it. And, and, uh, sure. and you know, the, the, that whole... Uh, you can't you can't get ahead of it. If everybody recycles, Dow Chemical's still gonna pump uh, dioxins into the fucking earth. Or there's gonna be in one day whatever any major corporation is doing will completely override all the goodness that every human on the fucking planet does. For sure, you can't get ahead of that. But what? That's a another disempowering context in that way, and so yeah. then I go, I just it gets too big for me because then I get sad, and then or, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Like all of it, these idiots. What are you gonna do? Fuck it. And so I go, you everybody know? I see today, I can change them. Yeah, and I and I can have a, a positive effect on the people that are around me, and I can make sure that my people are enriched, and I can look towards how I can make their life like. And then that that's where it has to get bigger from. But all these other things, that's also a place of not taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. All the people that clamor about all the worldly problems, it's also a way that they can clamor about all the worldly problems that they can't solve or do anything about. So then they, they think that posting about it is something, but they can't do anything in their own families. Yeah, I think the, the wisest thing, you know, again, that Don Howard says frequently it says in order to be of service you have to be fit for service right so you know everybody who's worried about all of comes. this other stuff focus that on yourself you know like make sure that you're ready for service make sure that you're a hollow bone that can go out and not push your own shit onto other people right. and have them have to deal with your shit right. take care of your shit first and that way when you go to somebody you can go as a positive beneficent yeah. force and it's also well, what I thought, like going to the sheepdog course, it came up again. I always think about that quote about it's the duty of every man to be, to find his athletic prowess and to cultivate that and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I do think that that is a society's duty, your duty as a citizen of society um, to be adept at whether it's combat, uh, 
scholastically, nutrition, like you should, you should be adept at these things. And, and we're just not, and we look to other people to take care of us. But, um, to, to that end, I think that, uh, if we, when I get away from the, 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 those simple truths about like, how can I make myself better? Like you asked, what was a defining moment in that way? Or, you know, the dark night of the soul kind of thing or whatever. But I, I don't know about like any one, you know, it's like bad groundhog day. Like, why do you change your life? Cause it's like fucking boring. It's yeah. like groundhog day again it's and numb. again and again. Like the last time that I yeah. got loaded, it wasn't the worst, like, Oh, this was horrible. It was like, and I watched shows like bright lights, big city or something like that. And I'd be like, so he had a tough weekend, like whatever. Like it was just <laughs> like if people, people died around, whatever, it's not a big deal, but it was just like, the day after day drudgery, it just wears on you like erosion if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, I think. But yeah. that being said, this guy, the, the part that was changing and that speaks to what you're saying is, uh, is uh, this guy helped me a lot, you know, and um, a lot of people did. But one guy in particular, and he says, you know, um, I said, I, I know I owe you, you know, I, I'm not an asshole. I, I get it. You, you've been super helpful to me. You invite me in your home and nobody's doing that. And, and, uh, and I said, I recognize that I owe you, you know, but I don't have anything. And he goes, you don't owe me, Tate. He goes, you owe everybody. And he says, and you're going to have to take a lifetime to pay him back. And what you're going to do is you're going to get as well as you can and be as able as you can and get as healthy as you can so you can help the guy coming behind you because people are going to need you. And, and that's kind of been my consciousness since then. And, and, uh, cause I owe him, you know, and that's what I owe him is what he told me. And he's not here anymore, but like that, that, that becomes kind of the thing. And I think that what's the biggest aspect that's changed my life. I remember I was bouncing at this bar and a good friend of mine, Donna Lee, that was the owner of the bar. And I thought, man, I need more money. I got to do, you know, I, I had all these personal entreaties to the universe. Right. And I was sitting at the bar afterwards. We cleaned everything up and she's talking to her girlfriend and she goes, God, I just don't know uh, how we're going to make it this month. We're short a little bit and the, and the bar is in trouble. Right. And I go, if I don't have, if this closes, I don't have a job and she's having trouble. And I thought, if I make her more money, I'll make more money. And like, there's the first time I really got and put where the rubber met the road. And I go, I'm going to make it my full endeavor to make her more money. And then my life got way better. Just a simple switching of my consciousness yeah. in that way. And that was everything, you know? And so like the more, like that whole thing, people talk about a life of service and like, as if it's like some people should do, you know, if you're a coach or if you're a doctor or if you're a nurse or if you're a first responder, it's a life of service, you know? And, but not everybody does that. Like business people don't do that or salespeople don't do that. I would argue that everybody should live a life of service and your life will be not, and not only for the best of the community, but do it in a self, call it self-interested altruism. Yep. You know what I mean? That like, if you want your life you're awesome, part of, you're part be as of the all. helpful as yeah. you can to everybody around you. You got to be of service to yourself too. Yeah. You know, service well, to that's everybody. that's rest, right? Yep. To go ahead and go, oh, okay. Like that's part, if you want to be a bad motherfucker, you better be taking your rest, you know, you, or else you never recover. Yeah, I mean, that, that idea of altruism, I think the closer we, we get to that, you know, the happier that we generally become. When we direct our efforts not to some self-interest, but for the betterment of others, that's when I'm the happiest. Yeah. You know, that's when, because then you stop worrying about these delusions of the ego and these things that you're looking at. You're yep. just like, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a force. I'm a force. I'm a cause yeah. for an effect. And that effect is to raise human consciousness and happiness. Yeah. And when I can look at myself as that force, all of this other stuff goes away. It's just like, 
I'm the wind and I'm moving the reeds. Yep. And, you know, you don't worry about that. You know, you just be the wind. It's a cool thing too. The idea of like, uh, like what's the best part of having money or something. And it's great. You get, if you like a nice fancy car or you get, you know, new shoes or whatever the thing is, but like the very best thing about having extra money is that you can tip well and that you can buy things for other people. Like the, the best part about having money is giving it away really in that way. You know, yeah. it's like that, that having the ability to be like, I'm okay. And I can share and make other people more okay too. And then to really build things to go, Oh, I can help this happen so that they sure. can build a whole life that is outside of me. It's and they're just, autonomous and they're just more fans to create more wind. It's just yeah, more energy. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. It's just more energy for the yeah. force. Well, Tate, this has been fucking beautiful, I love brother. It, man. I love it. I love seeing do this you, more dude. Often, man. For sure. Likewise. For sure. Likewise. Where can people find you, follow you, everything? Um, well, my podcast that is erstwhile, I think it's three weeks old, was my last one I did with Arlen Sanford, who is a, a, a Krabi Cabrong master, and, and that's where I first learned stand-up fighting from. He founded the Dog Brothers, and, and that's Pirate Life Radio. Uh, you can find me there. And then Tate Fletcher, all, if you just search T-A-I-T-F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R, that's a Instagram, Twitter, that's just my name, and Facebook, I'm all around. Easy to find. Beautiful. Oh, and Caveman Coffee Caveman is Coffee. also a thing that I do with uh, – the lovely and genius Lacey Mackey and the lovely and genius Keith Jardine and um, and the uh, Dean of Beans CavemanCoffee.com. We offer a special yeah. roasted on it, and you got some other great stuff, some fucking badass chocolates now too. Well, we've been just going just into everything. We've been yeah, awesome. we've just been uh, and we've been really trying to focus on like that. That's the whole thing too. Is like. What, what do you do? How do you get success? Like, I don't know anything about the coffee business, but I go, you know what? Somebody else does, and I'm just as smart as that guy. So I can do that too. And then you go and you just try, and like you build those things. And so uh, we throw our hat into this ring, and it's scary, and it's daunting, and it maybe it's going to be the end of everything or whatever. But you just go and you do it anyway, and you learn how while you're in the fire, man. And that has been the best way. And so I, I, I think if I could leave anybody with anything – is that do something scary every day do something yeah. that pressures you every day and uh you'll you'll build a tremendous life like that and, and lead with your heart yeah you man. Know? you yeah. lead with your yeah, heart yeah, yeah. people will receive that even yeah. if other things are squirrely and you yeah. lead with your heart everybody thinks that it's Everybody's biceps or that. something or a stern <laughs> yeah. look that makes the difference and the truth it's kindness man kindness is the biggest power that you got 100 percent. yeah thank you brother thank you everybody so much love i'll be back again soon we're doing this I'd like to acknowledge the company that is the expression of so many things I love, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, and also wearspace.com with two S's, putting out some really dope clothes and supporting my favorite charities. Lastly, please check out my blog, aubreymarcus.com, for the latest in all the ventures happening in my world. If you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend, leave a review, and let's make this positivity contagious. Thanks for tuning in.